We are uh, working through the book of Ephesians right now. And in the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters lay out the life that we have in Jesus Christ, the salvation and the riches we have in Christ. And then in chapters 4 through 6 of Ephesians, Paul lays out what it means to live out that life that we now have in Christ. What it means to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel that we have been called to, worthy of our salvation. As we started a few weeks ago and started working through Ephesians 4, we looked at the first six verses together, and we saw that Paul calls the Ephesians to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. And the first way he calls them to do that is to maintain the unity of the church, that they should respond to one another, not by fleeing from conflict, not by fighting with one another, but having a gospel response, approaching one another with love and gentleness and kindness. Paul goes on from, from, from communicating the unity of the church to explaining the diversity, the beautiful diversity of the church, that we have all been given different gifts by Jesus Christ. And we have been given by, gifts by Christ to a certain measure to serve the body. And he has given it to us with his wisdom and his glory in mind. And that we are to use our gifts to build up the body of Christ, his church. This week, we're going to go further in depth into that. What does it look like to build up the body of Christ with our gifts? How do we do that? And so that's what we're going to read about today in Ephesians chapter 4. If you're in the Red Bible, please turn to page 977. It will start there at the bottom and go on to 978. But we'll read along in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all maintain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the ways and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body Join and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. Gracious God, as we come to your holy, perfect, inerrant word, Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts, that you would humble us to see that we don't have it all figured out, God, that we desperately need your help and need your mercy to carry out this life that you have given to us in Jesus Christ, Lord. We are broken vessels being redeemed by your love, and we pray that you would help us this day. In Christ's name, amen. As a boy matures into manhood, he learns many things. One of the things he learns is how to shave. Um, Some of you may not know this, but I actually do know how to shave, as you can see this morning. Many times I just use a trimmer, but I did actually shave for the baptism. So, 
But when I was little, I still remember when my dad taught me how to shave. I don't know if you remember that, but we went into my parents' bathroom and my dad was there and I was there and, you know, he, he did the shaving cream in his hand and he gave it to me and I still remember the smell of that shaving cream. And he said, here, put this on your face. And my dad left the room to go get something. And uh, he came back to the bathroom. And, and according to my mom, the only thing she heard was, you're not supposed to put it on your forehead, Dan. And so, you know, as I've matured, I've learned, all right, you don't put shaving cream on your forehead. You put it right here on your cheeks, on your neck, about once a month, maybe between the eyebrows, right? But... You learn these things. And as you mature and you grow older, there's probably other places that you have to put shaving cream to shave that I'm not excited to find out about. (laughs) Yeah, TMI. (laughs) As we mature and grow in the Lord, we learn new things. We learn how to live this life that Christ has given to us. We learn knowledge about the goodness of God. We grow in intimacy with Christ. Today, what Paul is encouraging us is to grow and to mature, to grow in your understanding of who Christ is and what he has done for you. But he doesn't only encourage us to do that. He encourages us to do it as a body, as a unified body of believers, to use our gifts to help one another grow into Christ. And so that's what we're going to look at today. Um, one of the interesting things that I just have to kind of deal with before we get started, because I want there might be some confusion, is in verse 12, Paul tells us to work towards unity, to work towards attaining unity. Look in verse 12 with me. And if you would, just keep your Bibles open, because we're going to look back a lot. In verse 12, he says that we should do the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Now, the problem with this is that in a few verses earlier, in verse 3, Paul doesn't say we should attain unity. He says this, look in verse 3 of Ephesians 4 with me. He says, be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bonds of peace. That we don't create unity, but that we are given unity through the Holy Spirit. And so the question is, Does Paul not know what he's talking about? (laughs) Is he schizophrenic? Are we supposed to attain unity or maintain unity? Because those are two completely different things. When you're maintaining, you're not creating it. When you're attaining it, you're working towards something. And so are we, as a body of believers, to attain unity or maintain unity? And the answer is both. What Paul is saying here is that you have been united through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. You truly are one. Now work towards what you are. Work towards what God has done. He has united you. Act like it. (laughs) It's kind of like in the scriptures when, when Paul encourages us to grow in righteousness. We have already been declared righteous before. Completely holy and righteous by the blood of Christ. And as we grow in righteousness, we're growing into what we already are in Christ. It's kind of like when you were growing up and you took family vacations and you're in the back seat and you're poking your brother and your sister, you're grabbing their hair, stealing their toys and people start, kids start crying and the mom starts crying and she's like, can't we just be a family? You know, this is supposed to be a family vacation. What, what is she? She's saying, be who you are. You are a family. Act like it. 
in the church, we're often very childish. Um, you know, oftentimes I want what I want. I don't care what other people think. Uh, oftentimes we, we talk about others behind their back, why they're not as good of a Christian as, as we are or whatever it might be. And so the question is, how do we grow into becoming united, maturing together towards what we already are, united in Jesus Christ? And that's what we're going to look at today. Paul um, answers this and throughout these verses. And there's an equation I just want to throw out to you, and we're going to walk through that in these verses. And it's this, that committed growth plus truth growth leads to unified body growth. Okay, Committed growth plus truth growth leads to unified body growth. That's what we're going to be looking at today. So first, let's look and see about committed growth. Look in verse 11 with me, if you would. In verse 11, it says, And he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. So we covered that last week. We were given gifts for the building up of the body of Christ. Not to be used for ourselves, but to be used for the body. He goes on. Verse 13, and he tells us how long we are to use those gifts to serve and build up one another. Verse 13, he says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 13 is one of those verses for me where I read it and I'm like, oh, okay, you know, we're supposed to build each other up until we reach unity in faith and unity in the knowledge of the Son of God. Sounds good. Let's do that. But as you dig deeper, there's kind of like that, oh, <laughs> this, is, this is deeper. This is a higher commitment than I even perceived. Because when he's talking about a unity of faith, he is saying we are supposed to use our gifts to serve one another, to build one another up until we all understand intellectually what is true. That we agree completely on everything, including things such as baptism, predestination, speaking in tongues, all those things that are controversial, that we would be united in our understanding of it. And we are supposed to work towards unity until that happens. But he also says, until we reach a unity of the faith, excuse me, unity to the knowledge of the Son of God. And this is talking about knowing God intimately, that we would have a strong and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we are committed to one another until we all agree theologically, until we all have this amazing and perfect intimacy with Christ. Now, when will that happen? (laughs) When will that happen? Not this side of glory, right? It will happen in heaven. And so Paul is saying, you are committed to one another till death. To build one another up towards Christ. You know, a few months ago, I I was discouraged. It was February, and um, I usually get exercised by going to the Y and playing basketball at noon one or two times a week. And it had been a long time since I played basketball because my schedule got really busy and I was feeling out of shape. Uh, lunchtime is a really busy time. I usually can't get away. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to start running because I don't need other people. The, the, the schedule is flexible. I can go in the morning. I can go at night. But knowing myself, I thought I need to bring other people around me who are committed to help me towards this goal. And so I, I, I called up Ted 
And uh, Ted and I said, all right, let's, let's pick out a race. So we picked out the Eagle River Half Marathon, which was last Saturday. And then we thought, you know what, let's get other guys involved in this. So we sent out this email and the other guys said, okay, we'll commit. We'll train with you. You know, we were getting there on Thursdays and Saturdays to train for this half marathon. And one by one, people started flaking out. They, they, they dropped out of it until it was just Ted, me, and Josh Brooke. Well, about two weeks before the race... Ted calls me up and he says, how about we do the bell and run instead? And without hesitation, I said, sounds great. I like that idea. And I'm glad Ted came up with it because then it means I didn't cop out as quickly as he did. And then to Josh's credit, Josh still wanted to run the half marathon, but these two old out of shape guys just could not handle it. My hope is that we are more committed to one another, to our spiritual growth than we are to our physical growth, to our physical health. That we are committed to love one another, to grow towards Christ, to grow in our understanding of Christ, to grow into our intimacy with Christ. This is what he calls us to. And you see, as we work towards one another, as we work towards building one another up, as we are committed to doing that towards one another, we are displaying the commitment of God towards us. You know, as we look through the Bible, we see time and time again that God commits to uncommitted people. You start even in the Garden of Eden. You have Adam and Eve, and God says, Adam and Eve, you can eat from fruit from you can eat fruit, excuse me, from any tree of the garden. Anyone, any fruit you can take, but not from this one tree. Any tree, just not this one, right? And what do they say? Man, that, that fruit looks good. <laughs> right? And, and so they broke their commitment and they ate the fruit. And yet, even after that, God committed to them. I will send a Savior who will crush the head of Satan. I will send a Savior who will rescue you from yourselves. It goes on. The Bible is littered with these. God comes to Abraham, one of the heroes of the faith, and he says, I will make you into a great nation. Your, your, your wife, Sarah, who is barren and old, I will give her a child, and there will be a great nation built out of this. Abraham believed, but then he was uncommitted to God. And he went to his slave, Hagar, and slept with her. And yet God comes back with his commitment and says, I will still bring a Savior through your line. It happens with David. It happens over and over again in which God commits to uncommitted people. But there is one man who was committed, one man who walked this earth that stayed committed to his father. And it was Jesus who came and perfectly obeyed God's command, fulfilling the commitment that we were supposed to have to perfect obedience to God. And his commitment went so far, his love went so far that he even went to the cross to take on our sin, to take on our failures to be committed to God. And he paid for it in full that we could now have a relationship with God forever. That God could commit himself to us and still carry out his justice for our sin. And so as we see God's commitment to us, a people who often break our commitments to him, he is calling us as a church to commit to one another as God has committed to us. That means committing to one another as other people annoy you. As other people break their promises to you, you stay committed to love them and to build them up and to stay with them. And that may mean even sending them on to another congregation where they will be committed to growing them 
in Christ. But we are called to be committed to one another. In a day and age where we have, you know, 5,000 restaurants that we can go to, we have Facebook friends that we add and drop, we have drive-through divorces, commitment is something that only God can do. And God calls us to commit to building one another up for growth into Christ. And so the first part of the equation, the first ingredient towards this body growing towards Christ is committed growth. Secondly, we see Paul points out truth growth. That we both need to discern truth, but also speak truth. Look with me, if you would, in verse 14. Paul says this, So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the ways and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Paul is telling us that maturity as a body is stunted when we have a lack of discernment. When we believe anything anyone says. He says it's like we're children who are beautiful and good, but who are naive and too trusting and lack discernment. You know, I think all of us who have little children work to give our kids discernment so they can discern what is good and what is bad. But he's saying that you are like children. You have not discerned what is true and what is false. And you have been tossed around like waves toss a boat around. You have been blown around like a piece of paper. Whatever the culture says, you believe. And so he's saying that is oppositional to our maturity in the faith, to growing up into Christ. You know, there are always new doctrines, new winds of doctrine that come along. Just this week, I had a friend call me and he said, you know, I have this guy that I'm I'm friends with. Um, He's a millionaire, but he lives above his means. He spends more than he even takes in. And his response is, well, you know, God tells us not to worry about tomorrow. The problem with that is the Bible, right? The, The truth standard, right? We serve a homeless guy. You realize that, right? We worship a guy who was homeless on this earth, who did not have a place to set his head at night. The disciples, none of them were rich. See, when we follow Christ, it doesn't mean we'll have all this money to use for ourselves, but that we have been given money to show who we worship. You know, today is, what's today's date? May 22nd, right? What was supposed to happen May 21st? Jesus was supposed to come back, right? So either that guy's wrong or we're all in a lot of trouble. One or the other, right? I'm counting on the fact that that guy was wrong. It's another wind of doctrine. It keeps coming. And the problem with that one, again, is the Bible. You know, it was interesting. I saw just a brief clip. They went to this man's office. He runs a radio station. And they asked the secretary, do you believe what he says? And she said, no. And they said, well, why not? And she said, and she quoted here, uh, Mark 13. She said, because what Jesus says is, concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even angels in heaven, nor Jesus himself. But only the Father knows the hour. And so you see, as we seek out truth, we need to have one standard of truth, which is right here. And we need to compare everything and filter everything through the Word of God to see if it is indeed truth, to gain discernment on the things that we hear. There will be plenty of winds of doctrine that will come along. But there is one standard for truth that has stood 
for all eternity and will stand for all eternity. There are only two things that are eternal. The souls of men and the word of God. And this is our standard of truth to filter every wind of doctrine that we hear. And so he encourages us towards truth growth. He also encourages us to to speak truth in love. If you would look in verse 15 with me, and it's very short, but just so you know, I'm getting it from the Bible. It says, rather speaking the truth in love. So don't believe those false doctrines. Don't believe every wind of teaching, but speak the truth in love. This means that when we are believing lies, uh, such as that sin is more pleasurable than God, such as that um, God does not love us or care for us. We are supposed to speak truth to one another in love. Now, there are options besides speaking the truth in love. The first option is that we speak the truth without love. I think all of us know people like this, right? Maybe you're one of these people. They're just jerks, right? That's all they are. They're jerks. They, they fight. They want to pick a fight. They want to prove that they are right. James Boyce puts it this way. He says, if you take love from truth, the result is bitter orthodoxy. Truth remains, but it is proclaimed in such an unpleasant, harsh manner that it fails to win anybody. This may be your temptation, that you would present truth in a way that is harsh, that is angry, that is unloving. What God calls us to is repentance, to go to that person and say, I am so sorry not for the information I communicate, but how I communicated it. I need to communicate truth with love. The other error that many of us make, and I lean more this direction, is to love without speaking truth. And so you're not a jerk, but you're a coward. You won't go to people and tell them the truth because you want them to like you. We're not fighting them. We're fleeing from any sort of conflict, fleeing from engaging with one another in love. And for people like me who struggle with this, it is a constant prayer for God to give us strength. You know, I I was talking to Mark Kaiser, and I had to um, tell someone something that was very, very difficult. And I did not want to do it. And I said to Mark, I'd rather so much to be nice than to be loving. Because being nice is so much easier than being loving. Being loving means you care enough to tell people the truth. I have a friend who's a pastor, and he tells a story about how there was this couple coming to his church, and this couple was living together, and they had broken up two other marriages in the church. And so they walked in as if nothing was wrong, as if everything was okay and fine. And this pastor friend of mine went to them repeatedly, gently, lovingly, patiently. You guys need to repent. You need to to ask for forgiveness for the ways that you have destroyed your family and pursue things that are not godly. They wouldn't. They continued to come to church again and again and again. And finally, my friend who was a pastor, he's not sure if this was right or not, but he said to them, listen, you need to repent or you cannot come to church. You cannot be a part of this body. We have to protect the purity of the church. And his two friends who he loved very much walked away. Two years later, they came back. And they came to my friend and they repented. And they said, Please forgive us. We have sinned against God. We have sinned against our families. And we have sinned against you. Please forgive us. And my friend was so happy to say, Yes, I forgive you. It is so good to have you back. 
part of that story which kind of breaks me is after my pastor had initially told him that you have to repent or you can't come back, he went into a corner of the church and cried and cried and cried. Because it is so hard to tell the people, to tell people truth and love. But this is exactly what God calls us to do. And so he calls us to speak truth and love. If you have someone in your life who speaks truth and love to you, hold on to that person because it is hard to find. But we are to speak truth and love to one another as well. And so we see that uh, truth growth comes from discerning truth, but also from speaking truth in love. So back to our little equation that we got, which is also in the bulletin. Committed growth plus truth growth leads to body growth. And that's the final thing we're going to look at. Unified body growth. Look in verse 15 with me, if you would. It says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way and to him who is the head into Christ. So Jesus is the goal of our growth, that we are to grow up into Christ. It's not that we literally become Jesus, like we change who we are and we're now Jesus and there's a bunch of Jesuses walking around. But it's that we're to grow up into his likeness, into his image, into his delight and his joy in the Father. It's kind of like if you go to a garage sale and you see this really cool shirt for your kid or for your cousin, but it's like two years too old for them. And you grab it anyways, and then they grow up into that shirt. We are to grow up into the image of Christ. He goes on to say that uh, we also that Jesus is the glue of our growth. Look in verse 16. He says, um, I'm sorry, we'll start in verse 15. It, uh, we grow up into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You know, this is actually something quite amazing that he's saying here. He is saying that as Don grows, as Ted grows, as David grows, the body grows. You never grow in isolation because we are connected to one another through Jesus Christ. And so as we grow in our faith, we grow the church. And so one of the best gifts you can give to the church is to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because as you grow, the church grows. Because we are held together by Christ. When I was growing up, one of my favorite cartoons was Voltron. How many of you have seen Voltron? Alright. If you haven't, Repent, go to the library, check it out, watch 10 episodes, and then listen to this sermon again. But in Voltron, there are these five cats, okay? And they're these robotic cats, and they're huge. And they take on all these enemies every episode, right? And the same thing happens every episode. I hope I'm not spoiling it for you. But they will go, the library's going to be like, why are all these people checking out Voltron? But these, these five cats, individual, they go to attack their enemy, okay? And the enemy is too strong every time, okay? But then they join together and they become one body. And so two of the cats are the legs, all right? And two of the cats are this arm, are the arms. And then there's one cat who is the head and the torso. And they all connect to that one cat. And they work together to defeat the enemy. I mean, this is... A picture 
of the body of Christ, that we are all connected to Christ. And because we are connected to Christ, we are connected to one another. And we fight to grow in our joy, in our delightment, in our service to God. And so we are a unified body. And body growth comes through truth growth, through committed growth to one another. There's an epidemic um, that's sweeping America. It's childhood obesity. Uh, it's interesting because in the past 10 years, childhood obesity has actually tripled. And what's, what's ironic about it is that it's, it's easily fixable, right? There, there's, really only, there's really two things that you need to do to help cure childhood obesity. Do you know what they are? It starts with D and E. You probably know. Diet and exercise, right? Diet and exercise. We will hear that our entire life, I'm guessing. Every time we go to the doctor, diet and exercise, diet and exercise. I think that's what they learn in law school. Just tell the people to go on a diet and get some exercise. Right? But that's how you grow a healthy body is through a good diet and exercise. You know, for us to grow this body, Paul lays out two things. And it's not diet and exercise. It is being committed to growing this body. And it's being committed to telling the truth and love to this body. You know, we celebrated baptism up here today. And you all became a sermon illustration when you agreed. You all said, we commit to helping these children raise in the nurture and admission of the Lord. To assist these parents. This is exactly what Paul is talking about here. That we are committed to to these children until they move on to another church and we commit to sending them well. But while they are here, we are committed to telling them truth in love over and over and over and over again so that they might grow into this body, that they might grow this body in the knowledge and the love of Jesus Christ. And so that's what Paul calls us to that we would grow the body by being committed to one another, committed to telling one another the truth and love until we attain perfection in heaven. Let's pray. Gracious God, this is a high calling you have given to us. And we know we can only be committed to you and to each other because you have first committed to us. You've committed to redeem us and love us, even in the midst of our failures to follow you, to love others as you have called us to, God. We pray that you would give us your strength and power to love and serve one another, even when people are difficult, when things are difficult, when we disagree on things. God, help us to love one another well, that the body might grow towards you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.